0: Welcome to the Church Safety and Security broadcast with The Church Safety Guys. Brought to you by com, a Motorola value added reseller. The Church Safety Guys is a non profit organization dedicated to equipping the vigilant, those men and women who stand watch, keeping our houses of worship and places of faith safe. We believe church safety and security must be a ministry first. Have engaged servant leaders who continually strive for excellence and teams of motivated volunteers that are always training. Join us for the next hour as the Church Safety Guys unpack safety, security, leadership, and ministry operations with your hosts, Dr. James McGarvey and Mike Scully. This broadcast is also available on YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms churchsafetyguys.com and on the original church security app. Download it today. Feel free to like, subscribe, and share with your ministry.
1: Well, hello. Welcome to the Church Safety and Security broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. I am James. And once again, joined by my co-host Mike.
2: How are you, sir? Or I should say, stranger, because it's been a while. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it has been for sure. I'm doing well, thank you. Um, good. I think finally, finally rested up. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a it's been a whirlwind of a few few weeks for sure. Um, we. We, uh, actually took some time as a family and we went down to, uh, Tennessee over, I think it was the 4th of, yeah, the 4th of July. And, uh, that just turned into a nightmare roller coaster that I'm, I'm thankful <laughs> it's over. Yeah. I mean, our, our car ended up breaking down in, uh, in Tennessee and over a holiday weekend. So I was trying to get that fixed and then we got that fixed to come home and, um, uh my wife ended up in the hospital for a few days and then uh in the middle of all of that i think my uh my my laundry laundry machine caught on fire and <laughs> a bunch of other stuff happened so it was one of those one of those periods of time where i literally i was you know i was very thankful uh when things started quieting down and i'm like you know i just want 24 hours to to go by, well, yeah. calm. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, we were talking about it today at, at church. And I said to, I said to my pastor, I said, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what I prayed for at the beginning of this year. I can't remember, but for God to teach me, but <laughs> I said <laughs> uh, I'm not going to pray the same thing next year because that's kind of like, you know, when you, when you pray for patience.
2: (laughs) I think a little bit of Matthew blessed are the peacemakers because, uh, you need a little bit of
1: calm in the chaos. I'm telling you, but you know, there's, there was some, some great stuff in there. You know, I, I got a chance. My, my folks came out to visit and my cousin got, ended up getting married. And so I went to went to a wedding with, uh, my family. So it was, it was good. There were some, there were definitely some highlights in, in, uh, in that time and it was good, good stuff. Yeah. I think, I think things are starting to get back to something of a norm. I well, guess. it was,
2: it was not obviously a planned, uh, extended bit of time off between episodes, but, uh, I do feel like we go, go, go all year long. And I know we started to kind of take a little bit of break around the holidays uh, in December. And really, this is kind of the half year. So it run, run, run for six months and putting these out every single week. And and other than, say, a holiday here and there, um, it really just worked out well to kind of take a couple extra weeks off in addition to the the Independence Day holiday. So um, for sure. Uh, all the chaos obviously going on, but it was, it was good to kind of get some time to to recharge and renew and kind of refuel.
1: Definitely. And, and you're right. We don't, we, we used to do it. I mean, this is, I think going into our fifth year of doing broadcasting and we used to go nonstop. And I look back on some of those first, (laughs) first couple of years. And I was, you know, in my mind, I'm just like, Oh my goodness, did I really do an episode every single week without, without a, without a break, but
2: sometimes more than an hour (laughs) in those early days, we were longer than an hour too. So not only was it every week, it was, it was
1: more than an hour show. And it was, it was, it was a lot. So it it really was. And one of the, one of the things too is in, in, I don't know, this might separate us a little bit from, from others that generally do podcasts and different things like that. But, um, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're both very active in our, our home churches as it is. So in, in addition to, you know, doing this, we're, we're usually helping out and trying to do other other things in our community and locally. And I, I thought my schedule was crazy that I needed, a an outlook calendar for our family until I met Mike. And then <laughs> and <laughs> his schedule, nowhere. his schedule is like two, two times what mine is. And
2: yep, well, it, it's, you know what, you make time for the things that are most important. And uh so we dedicate, of course, family time, activities, uh church related stuff, volunteer work with the, for the police department locally is, is important. And of course, anything related to, church safety guys. So that, that takes up a good chunk of the schedule, but,
1: uh, it's all for the greater good. For sure. Well, if you, if you just joined us, welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're, if you're listening at a later time on one of the podcast platforms, welcome. Um, we appreciate you, you hanging out with us. Definitely. Uh, if you're on YouTube or one of the other platforms, please, uh, click the like and subscribe button for us that helps us out with uh, the different algorithms and and uh, just carrying uh, our ministry forward so we appreciate that and uh, if we can help you and your church in any way please feel free to reach out to us our website is churchsafetyguys.com. com and uh, one of the one of the things that I did have time for and several folks have been asking about was the uh, the latest book on uh, the ministry life cycle, which is train. And <laughs> it's about to, <laughs> like, I've been that, waiting, I've been waiting and we, I know it's been a long, 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 that, that date keeps getting pushed back. <laughs> and somebody, somebody asked me the other day, well, when's it coming out? And I said, well, it's written and it's yep. been edited. Um, and I think, I think formatted, finished the cover. art. Yeah, we're good there. But uh, it's just a, it's a process. And I, and I apologize for it not coming out sooner, but we're excited about that probably coming out here uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, It takes a, you know, once we get everything lined up, we have to get the the cover art and the the file ready to go. And we upload everything into Amazon and then they, they check it. And they can take—they actually can take two weeks to get everything checked. Um, thankfully, because we've published stuff, um, it's usually less than that. Uh, It—they always surprise me because a lot of times there's specific criteria they check, but you know they'll come back and they'll say, you know, this margin is off. Please adjust that, and then you know, we're kind of back to the drawing board and have to resubmit. So it's a, it's a bit of a process and we, we should (laughs) be pretty good. I mean, (laughs) well by now, but you know, it's funny because I think everybody um, they have different people that screen and look at them and stuff. So I don't know. I, you know, I've sat down a couple of times and tried to figure out beyond their process, like what they look for. And, um, And there's sometimes, you know, I I mean, I'm human. So in submitting everything, there's there are times when, you know, maybe I messed up a margin or something that I need to fix. And yeah, but hopefully uh, that'll be out, like I said, within the next week or two. And um, that'll be available as well through Amazon and um, certainly through uh, through us, if you'd like to bulk order for for your uh, for your church or your church team, a lot of, actually all of our resources are available through that, um, on our website. So if there's something that you, uh, want to pick up bulk copies of for your team, like, uh, one of the other resources, like the four pillars or, or a case for church safety and security, just reach out to us and let us know. And we're happy to, to try and, um, help you out with the cost of that and, um, get that for you guys. So Definitely good stuff. So uh, so moving forward tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, probably, I want to talk a little bit about domestic spillover and um, how that kind of impacts the church. And I, I was kind of thinking about this yesterday. I had the chance to, to go hang out with um the Ohio uh, Crime Prevention Association and and uh John with them and I'm gonna actually I'll bring him in here and we can kinda chat about about yesterday and whatnot. So hey John can you hear us okay?
3: <laughs> I got you loud and clear. Greetings from Kettering Ohio. Hello Mike go. hello James.
1: <laughs> Welcome back sir <laughs> awesome Thank thanks me. so much again yeah. for, for hanging out with us. It was we had a lot of fun yesterday.
3: We had the best time, and, and I'll tell you the value added for, for having you there, James, and, and uh, obviously all the interaction that you had with everybody, and then having the resources um, really added to the program. So I, I think uh, we're going to have you uh, at all our trainings even the ones during the week. So be ready to take your vacation time. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for that compliment. It's always fun. I, I love how, um, you have a, you have an awesome program. You really do. And I know a lot of that you've put together yourself and you spent a lot of time kind of crafting and creating, you know, the right, the right curriculum. Um, but it always amazes me because, you do a fantastic job presenting it, and you really um, you really highlight, which I, I lost track of how many times you said it yesterday, but you really highlight how churches and church safety teams should be concerned about the community, and uh, the team should be focused on what the church is actually doing and supporting that. Absolutely. You have to have that mission.
3: You have to bring everybody back to understand the mission and i think what you're talking about is when i kept saying you need to demonstrate the love and the care and the concern for your congregation yep. and and kind of all the decisions that you you make around that uh should come back to that mission for the most part yes
1: and i mean that's just that's not something that that we hear or or see a lot um uh, because oftentimes what's communicated could be You know, something more along the lines of you know, train, train hard, get the get the active shooter thing nailed down, and and you're good to go. And um, we kind of saw a little bit of a different emphasis in uh, Marion, where we were yesterday, is kind of more of a rural, you know, area um, in north, I guess, north central Ohio. But um, it was kind of interesting some of some of everyone's perspective on what you know, from a church safety team, what they should be concerned about. Well,
3: and it was interesting too, if you recall, you know, when I'm doing, teaching everybody the stakeholder interview and, and, you know, for our viewers and listeners, if they're not familiar with that term, basically we try to connect the, the actual crime that we have based upon uh, police calls for service, things of that sort. But now we want to interview people and capture the actual Uh, eyewitness but also along with that is the feelings that they have about the environment about their particular house of worship and obviously when we ask that question it's obviously what what is it that keeps you up at night what is the fear of crime that you perceive and you know hands down it's an active aggressor incident active shooter incident for the most part but taking all that and and bringing that together I think Really gives the safety team much more of a um, uh, a very specific mission in understanding exactly what they need to be focused on. But to, to follow up with the, exactly what you said, I I told you yesterday. I said this is the first time I've had this happen at one of my trainings. And again, we've been doing this since two thousand nine. And yes, we have adjusted the curriculum. Matter of fact, I I adjust it every time I teach it to add anything that that might be. Um, new or uh, you know incidents that, that might be relevant to the training but do you recall the chaplain that, that provided the blessing yesterday mm-hmm. um, he said that his biggest con- concern was location and and, yeah. and I said well you know what I, I've never had anybody say that before and so his biggest fear of, of that he has with his church is the fact that they're located I think at least 20 minutes away from Probably any type of a fast response from both law enforcement and or uh, your EMS fire. So that in itself, I think, um, really is more of an enhancement to the actual fears of crime that that they possess. And something that that I learned yesterday, and, and I think we both can use that as a takeaway.
1: For sure. I think it's I definitely think that's that's interesting because I grew up in in a very rural part of New England. And, you know, we had, um, you know, it was a big, it was a big farm community. And so we had much of the the same, um, type of culture and atmosphere where, you know, on average it would take 15, usually 15 to 20 minutes to have fire EMS or, you know, even law enforcement come if you know it especially if it was after hours like we we would have i think my town had a a full-time police officer and after 5 you know 5 p.m. Yeah. it kind of shifted over to the the state police and you know their barracks were 20 miles away so anytime, and that's, you know, that's a hard 20 mile drive. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, yes, it is. You know, Very much so. 40, 40 to 45 minutes because you're going up and down mountains and stuff like that. But it's interesting that that, that is the first time I've heard that voice that they would be so concerned that, you know, that help wouldn't get there. And I guess from that standpoint, that kind of puts a different perspective on kind of Trying to be trained in everything and a jack of all trades to be able to, you know, to help if something should happen because, you know, you have to kind of hold down the fort, sort of. Very much so, and
3: and I think I think at that point you you start saying, hey, the the diversification of everybody that uh, you choose to be on your safety team, your security ministries, whatever you call it. Now we have to think about. We're probably more concerned about. I would be more concerned about. A medical emergency with that type of, uh, of distance. So now we need to make sure that we've got the right equipment. Um, AED obviously would be, uh, something of value. And, you know, speaking of the medical equipment, that was another first for us yesterday. Do you recall the lady that asked, do you think that we should have Narcan readily available at our house of worship? And I said, yes. And I, I think we all know why, but that was also a first for us also. And I think the takeaway we have on that is, You know, just keep that in your medical kit, your throw bag or whatever you choose to call it.
1: For sure. There's a big
2: difference. I think uh, the location piece, I feel like to some degree might be putting the cart ahead of the horse because you got to determine the threat assessment or risk assessment for that specific church. Just because you're far out and just because an emergency response takes a long time doesn't mean you're going to be a victim to a crime that is going to need that response. It just means that when you are, yes, you have to prepare for it. So I like to always make sure that churches are looking at the amount of risk first and then says, okay, if you have risk and then it's comp- the likelihood of something happening is higher than, say, an average church. Well, now exacerbating circumstances like distance, like time of response adds to your problem so now you're now what are you doing to mitigate that so that to your point staffing john looking at skill sets looking at equipment looking at uh what are you prepared for but in that order it should be driven based on risk not based on hey let's just go out and buy whatever somebody's selling
3: exactly and i, I tell you what you couldn't have hit that uh, uh more right in the bullseye because when we do the assessments the first thing that I try to determine is what are the existing security capabilities that you have now. And then we look at what's available, how close is the local police department, where's the bomb squad, where's the closest hospital, ER trauma level ratings and all that stuff like that. And that becomes that enhancer to the risk like you had talked about. I agree hundred percent.
1: And you know, one of the things too, to to kind of piggyback on that, I live in on the outskirts of Columbus, but using Columbus as, as an example, you know, we have one of the best, um, fire EMS public safety response rates in the country. Um, you know, our, I think with fire and EMS, I think they're right now they're tracking at just under eight minutes for a response time from, you know, the time you call nine one one, um, to the time help arrives on scene. And I know, with um with law enforcement they're right around the same thing i know they could end up they could be a little bit higher but i also know law enforcement's understaffed incredibly right now um coming out so. of covid but what's interesting to me is just because you live in a big city i think you guys are are spot on because it's okay you know from the skill set perspective what can i do because it really puts me at that position where I'm the first responder, you know, no longer, I don't have the luxury of just calling and waiting for someone to get there because in eight minutes, even at that, I, in a metropolitan area, and I've got two fire stations, you know, catty corner from my church. It's like, it still takes eight to 10 minutes to get help there. So someone can, uh, you know, bleed out in that time.
3: Exactly. That's a long eight minutes once you think about it. And, and I, we've it done is. some presentations where we just start, we're going to put you on a clock for three minutes and let's just think for a second, an active shooter, how many shots could get caught. And it, it really gets people thinking the time and distance perspective and adds to the preparedness level that they, they need to be thinking about.
2: Well, adding in the, the federal program, of course, uh, that's out there. You are the help until help arrives. I think t- enough churches are out there that immediately jump into the active shooter role and think about that as their number one risk without doing exactly. that risk ass- assessment. And they're not even looking at the basics of just being that help until help arrives. It's not even about taking a safety team and staffing up and equipping and and actually training to do certain level of response it actually is just the basics like the average person should understand the basics of stopping the bleed the basics of positioning the injured the basics of providing comfort and how to dial 911 that's but we have churches that don't even know how to do that properly and yet they're jumping ahead so i think it's just about getting the the again the right foot forward first and it's get those basics and then based on your risk assessment where do we got to go next? What what skill sets do we need to teach next? We talked a lot about train in the opening. That's the next book. Well, what you train, when you train, how often you train, and who you train, is all part of what's in that book.
3: Very much so. I, I'm glad you said that too, because James, if you recall yesterday, I don't know if you saw the slide around the end of the day. It was a FEMA publication that I had about first responders and how they keep themselves safe during a improvise explosion explosion uh active shooter situations and if you saw my wording on the slide i said church safety teams are actually first responders and trying to get them thinking about that um you know not only the, the the safety of others but the safety of themselves and being that just that ever vigilant approach at things of that sort very important
1: and i think honestly too i i think at some point in time um I, I think we've come a long way, honestly, in the, in the history of church safety. And even, even in the last few years, since, um, you know, since we've been doing this broadcast and we've been, we've been talking to churches and whatnot, I think that um, we're just seeing more and more of that because people, people are supportive. And I think local, you know, public safety is supportive of, of church folks or more, I don't know, maybe more open arms to say, you know what, you guys, you're right. You know, you have, you know, two or 300 people in this church, sometimes more at one time. And, you know, I was, I was joking around with, um, with Ed yesterday before I left. Um, Ed is one of the lieutenants with Marion police. And, uh, I told him, I said, you know, I grew up in a town of 1200 people and we had, (laughs) you know, in the wintertime during the summer, because it was a Lake town, there was like closer to 3000, but we had a full fire department with two fire stations and an ambulance and, you know, and a, and a police department. And now today, you know, I'm, I'm the former safety director of, of my old church, which used to have 1200 people. So I'm like, right. you know, that's, you know, that's a, a real present concern when you start thinking about Beyond, you know, events, just thinking about every week this amount of people come and gather together in one place. Um, it it really pushes forward the idea of of being prepared for the unexpected. So the level of well, you duty know,
2: and responsibility that churches have in that sense, James, is that because they're a gathering place. And yes, you don't think of them as targets. You don't think of them as places where you're going to have large incidents or things like that. But when any grouping is gathered in any any spot, whether that's a sports arena or whether that's somewhere municipally, you you typically see some level of response. I mean, you see uh, EMS staging uh, for block parties. You see police that are detailed to a directed patrol to a specific area on the basis of an event. But yet you don't see it typically in, in a church setup until more recently. Obviously, we've seen a lot more churches. Uh, at least have some sort of formalized program, but is it really a formalized program? Are they looking at professionalism and training? Are they looking at staffing or is it just a couple of uh, uh, warm bodies that are willing to be put into a couple of spots and kind of say, here I am, Mm -hmm. send me. Yes, that's great. But are they being equipped?
3: I don't know. Mike, that is a great point. And let let me take you, I'm going to take you back to 2009 where our program, our House of Worship Safety Security Program, we actually started it. We had a a pass-through grant uh, through BJA, through Ohio Criminal Justice Services, put together the training. And and what we've got really uh, has a little bit of a foundation of those early uh, presentations and those trainings. And I will tell you this, that after the Charleston shooting, that's when our program really picked up again. And, and I recall during the introductions, and I think that, uh, James, I think you saw yesterday where the, how the introductions are so important uh, for the success of our training, uh, especially at the break when I say, raise your hand if you've got an existing uh, safety oh, yeah. team, and I, we encourage that, that networking. But I would ask the question at the onset, I mean, how many people here have an existing safety security team? And back in, you know, that was 2017. If I recall, we were doing these trainings. Everybody was interested. Nobody did. That was at the point where they were, they knew that they had to do something and uh, they wanted to learn the process on getting everything put together. And now when I ask the question, it's usually about half the class has an existing safety security ministry, something like that. But to, to work off what Mike said, Yes. I think the majority of the people that do say, yeah, we're, we've got a, a program that it is the warm body. Hey, you're, do, you're law enforcement or you retired law enforcement, you're retired military, whatever. You know, that's the go-to group, which to me, I, I want something a lot more uh, diversified, including medical. And, and we could even go as far as, you know, even, um, uh, you know, public information, having a communication plan, you know, the, very much sure. like what you have in, in your resources. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to see that at least they're doing something. And I'm also happy to see that they're interested in organizations like Ohio crime prevention and certainly the church safety guys on really taking that to the next level. So I do believe in, in hearing you talk about, you know, we need to train, we need to train. I, I think that everybody really is starting to get that understanding that there's a lot more involved in than just saying. What'd you say, Mike? Yeah. Here I am. Send me. Yeah, it, I, which was a really good one there. But it takes so much more than just just to send me on that one.
2: It does. Send it, me the prepared. Training yes. Itself. Send me
3: prepared. Yes. Very exactly. much.
2: Exactly. Well, in the right training, yeah. I think it's it's what is yeah. that right training? And I think that's the difference. Is that there's there's plenty of uh, groups that sell training. But is that yes. the right? Tra- I mean, can it be a good training? Yes. But is it the right training for that church? Maybe, maybe not. And so just because it's a good training or just because it's got reviews doesn't mean it's the right training. So I think that's the the the, the difference is you got everybody now clamoring. They at First, it was starting a team. Then it was everybody everybody wanting to carry a gun at church. Yes, and, yes. And now it's clamoring for training. But is that training still all right? Are, are we are we shooting? Uh, are we go to the range twelve times a year, or are we go? Are we doing quarterly team shoot mm-hmm. trainings? Or even no. I've heard some where they're 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 actually paying for training to to clear rooms and and work as it like a internal church SWAT team like they think they're operators or something.
3: <laughs> Which is you know, and, and James, you, you saw my opening when I said there's four groups of people that, that attend our training. And now that I I bring in our blue gun to, to really kind of drive home the message. <laughs> and did you see everybody around? They're like, yeah, yeah, I know a guy or I know a girl. Yeah. Um, and basically <laughs> we're talking about that you know, church safety and 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 again demonstrating demonstrating the love, the care, and the concern for your congregation goes way beyond the gun. And um, and then I get some pushback too. I, I think you heard me say that yesterday, James. I said, listen, uh, if you're on the safety team, you don't want to be the focal point during service. Um, yeah. You don't want to look like Tommy Tactical, uh, <laughs> and I think everybody likes him. When you, you know, and, and don't do that. That's appropriate for in the parking lot that is um absolutely what we need in the parking lot but but you don't want to distract sure. from the message not at all
1: and that's that's also that's a very good point too and and i think honestly by far the majority of the people even the the people that were there yesterday for that class have great intentions and and really Mm -hmm. want to do the right thing i think part of the challenge is they just don't know what the right thing necessarily is exactly do it yep and so you know that's um honestly that's a big part of you know what what both of our organizations do is is to try and emphasize yeah yeah you can do this there's nothing wrong with what you're doing But, you know, kind of prioritize and make things make, you know, what's important, important. If if you have a team that's out there doing things, but you've never gone back to the basics of doing an assessment like a property or campus assessment, then, you know, sometimes it's good to stop and regroup and go back. Um, You know, there. Oh, yeah, I agree. You know, I've I've talked to, to churches before that they're in their fifth year of having a church safety team and they've never talked or never called their insurance company to, to find out if having a firearm is covered by their policy or something, you know, something simple or basic, um, for us because we're used to, you know, talking about that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you, you need to know this information before you get to that point of, you know, um, just pushing everybody forward with, you know, with your team. So there's, there, there's a lot
3: of, uh, a a lot of verses that could be added to the book of revelations with what we were (laughs) talking about yesterday and getting people thinking about that. And I I wanted to follow up on the one point you made is that, you know, while, you know, I talk about having a gun and I explain this is an all hazards approach. I think that individual that comes in and, and talks to the priest, the pastor, the rabbi and says, hey, I, I've got the the most current weapon I saw in guns and ammo magazine. I want to be on your safety team. <laughs> and you say, well, that's great, but let's let's take all that enthusiasm. Let's channel it. And by the way, did you know that the number one claim is trip and fall? So are you prepared to be looking and making sure that everything is safe as well? And it really gets people thinking like, oh, okay, I get this. I enjoy teaching it. It, it really, you get, to, you look around the class and I think you noticed it yesterday, James, you, you have a lot of those just aha moments like, okay, well, yeah, that, that makes sense. We've never heard that before in, in the follow-up For on sure. what Mike said. I agree hundred percent. I think when you've got nonprofits such as ours going out with a, a mission to help people and that is the mission, not to make money, but the, the mission is to be there and, and genuine, in a way that really you want them to succeed. Um, I, I think that's the way to do it. I, I really agree hundred percent. I'm very proud of what we do at OCPA. I know you gentlemen are very proud of what you're doing in the outreach and all the great things that I've heard about you too. So nicely done.
1: For sure. Thank you. I, I definitely, one of the things and I, I mentioned it when we started and I want to, want to shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, domestic spill over and different things along that line uh, because that's sometimes something that oftentimes gets overlooked. But I thought it was interesting, John, because yesterday you shared a, a clip uh, for, on your presentation and you had a unique way of getting people's attention with it.
2: <laughs> so I I'm going I'm, yes, to pull so. up
1: the <laughs> clip here and uh, we'll actually post the link if you'd like to check it out on your um on the the youtube link for the show so you can go to the fbi site and and watch it but uh, basically this was the the slide that john was using yesterday um, talking about hate crimes from uh, 2020 the fbi uh, basically went through and kind of analyzed and said that you know 61 percent of of it was was based on uh, of hate crimes or based on race or ethnicity uh, 20% sexual orientation, 13.3% on religion, 2.7 on gender identity, 1.4 on disability, and then, uh, 0.7, uh, percent on gender. So, um, John, what was the, I'll throw it over to you. What, what is the, the interesting thing that you usually say about that?
3: (laughs) Well, I, I, you know, if you recall, I actually start off on the, the one slide. If you see, I, I've got a picture of myself in front of a church, and I say, "Where am I?" And uh, get try to get people thinking. And it, it's interesting; nobody. It's it's something that you think would be remembered by everybody, but it really isn't. And it's the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. We're going to go back to 1963, where the Ku Klux Klan had bombed the church. Four little wonderful girls killed for no reason at all, and I try to drive home the message that. You know, I believe that the majority of these these horrible incidents uh, directed towards houses of worship has its foundation in hatred, and I don't even I don't even say that I would say, I think it has its foundation in what? And you saw the class really jumped on with it, and they 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 realized that, that the hatred part of it. And then we jump into that slide, and then we start talking like, oh my gosh, this is good. I didn't think this slide was as bad as I thought it was because it says religion is only thirteen percent. So it looks like we only have to worry about 13%. And then we get into exactly (laughs) what Mike alluded to earlier, that, you know, the church is a big meeting place and we've got a lot of things going on there. And could you have the race ethnicity issue at your church? Absolutely. Could you have gender identity? Could you have even, um, you know, hatred on disability? Absolutely you could. So the takeaway from that slide is we have to be concerned about everything on that slide don't be confused with that fact that religion is only
1: 13%. And I I love that. That really stood out. <laughs> that stood out it, to it, me in 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 my mind from the presentation just because so often we don't we don't think about spillover in that way. Like we don't we don't think about um, someone having a hard time with one of the other other topics and coming right? to, you know, the meeting place. Yes the melting pot in the community um, and being concerned about it so you're right like the first i think the first time i saw saw that i was immediately i started thinking oh yeah 13 13% that's not hot
3: yes no no <laughs> so I kind I mean, of exactly
1: a little bit
3: <laughs> well i think i think you like the other analogy that i gave everybody cuz we highlighted i'd like to highlight a couple interesting You know, uh, I I do it in a manner where we've got the like the front page and I throw that up and and certainly we talk about all the active shooter events. But then we get people thinking that it's not just active shooter. We had theft. We had, um, you know, um, vandalism, arson, um, anything that you could think of. So it really says, okay, yeah, there's a lot of things going on um, at the church or your house of worship, your synagogue, what have you. That we need to be thinking about, and not just that focus on, hey, there's an active shooter walking through the front door. So to pick up on the domestic spillover, um, you know, obviously I, we had the one slide from Dayton, Ohio, where the pastor was shot and killed by his brother. Um, that gets people thinking and, and allows us to ask the question: What do we have an active shooter event here? And a lot of people are scratching their heads. Some people say yes. I said, well, that's actually domestic spillover, and that's something that we've got to be concerned about. And then, if you recall, we we transition into is there value in in maintaining some sort of an intelligence gathering process with your safety team? And there absolutely is. And if you recall the story that I gave, I said, "Here I am. I'm John. I'm married to Marcia. Um, however, uh, Marsha and I we we've been coming to the same uh, uh, service time each. You know, the the whole seven years of our our marriage, but." Now we're going through a divorce, and each one of us are at that point where we're not going to give up our time. This is what I—it's my time. I'm going to be there, and uh, then we decided that we'll at least see, uh, sit on different sides of the pew pu- or the aisle, if you will. Uh, but there's that one day that happens when Marcia decides to bring her new boyfriend to the service, and I'm there as well. <laughs> and if you recall, I asked the question: What do you think we should be doing, safety team? And and a lot of them got it. They said, well, I, I think we're going to be keeping an eye on you and maybe even having somebody sit right behind you, uh, which is an absolute <laughs> uh, great idea, because remember, at the end of the day, by by focusing on the prevention aspect of it, <laughs> I think there it's very true to say that we're demonstrating the love and the concern and the care for our congregation by wanting to prevent something. Um, so it's very important that we have that that intelligence gathering. A process and a process that weeds out gossip from from uh, good information, and then we act accordingly.
2: Yep, it's very important that there's certain things that can go on in uh, the church that a lot of times it's it's certainly not for everyone to be discussing, and it's it's something that needs to be kept close to the vest. But I think oftentimes some of that uh, internal business, if you will that is going on in the church that sometimes is heard. I'm not talking about things that are said in confidence to a pastor, or et cetera. But really, when you have risks that manifest themselves because of situations like divorce, situations like uh, child custody and things like that, you're, you're basically saying you're turning up the volume on that risk. And as that risk percentage goes up, now you sit there and say, OK, what other indicators am I looking for at this point now knowing what I know? Well, does that then continue to ratchet up over time, or is it just a couple that, you know what, they're going to sit on the opposite ends of the church, they're not going to talk to each other, there's no kids involved, there's there's really no re- reason to be concerned about them, until something else indicates otherwise. And then that may be exactly. something yeah. that we can then provide a, a response to. I
3: think that was a great way in qualifying what I said. We, we need to vet out the gossip <laughs> and not let, <laughs> let that go. And, you know, interesting, if you recall in my, my, uh, the one part on broken windows and I highlighted a couple churches, the one church in Detroit, and I think it was the, the Woodward street, Presbyterian church, beautiful church. And, and I got to tour that and everything. And sadly, you know, the, and I'm just thinking as we're talking here, how the gossip in in, in the, the church's internal business basically gets out and it creates a horrible reputation that, that a lot of churches can never get over. And if you recall that, that I said, hey, we not only do we need to protect our, our congregation and our visitors and anybody else that uses our facility, but we also need to protect the reputation. And I use that example with Detroit because if you read anything about that church, that gossip has basically seated um, itself In history, saying about, you know, right when the church opened, there was a controversy about the pastor who had an affair with one of the congregants, you know, so it just goes on and on. So we do have to be very careful that. And we want the right people, obviously, vetting that information and and talking about it in confidence. And, uh, And so very, very important in protecting the reputation of your house of worship.
2: And that means looking sure. at the staff and everything and other volunteers, not just from a background check perspective, but that reputation, those things that can occur, it's not just, did it show up on that background check? It, you're really looking at, are there is there good communication? Is there good collaboration? Is there good working relationships occurring? Or is there things that are kind of fostering selfishness and pride because that's going to create a wedge that opens a door into chaos and that chaos is going to create both confusion and opportunity.
1: And that's where the devil likes to play.
3: Exactly. Good point. Nicely done. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I I want to go back to something you mentioned and you mentioned it yesterday too, John, with being aware of, like funerals and weddings and different things like that. And um, I think it's interesting. I I can think of off the top of my head, I can think of at least uh, one of each where we've had various issues with family members and um, our last, actually one of the last large funerals that we did, uh, the gentleman was a gentleman passed away. Him and his wife had been married for, I think 60 years, 65 years, something like that. Uh, very, very good friends of mine. And the gentleman was a retired Columbus officer. And uh, and so um, Columbus PD really showed up and you know, mm-hmm. they had so many officers there to, you know, to do the funeral. And what was interesting was, uh, his wife reached out to me and just the sweetest lady. And she's like, you know, I'm really nervous. Could you have, uh, could you come, you know, hang out at, at, uh, at my husband's funeral? And, and I said, well, I have to work that day, but what's going on? What can I help you with? And so she, she just kind of, you know, unloaded this whole story that her son's girlfriend was deranged and you know, she was trying to steal the ashes from the urn and they were afraid oh my gosh. that mm-hmm. she was going to come in in the middle of the funeral and do all this stuff. And she said, you know, it, which was very, very true. Like the, um, her and her husband, uh, were very supportive of our safety team. And so the husband had always said to me, and, and I'm sure financially they were amazing as well, because that's just how they were. Um, with, you know, he would come up to me and he'd say, Hey, what does the safety team need? And I would tell him, and then all of a sudden it would appear, you know, in, in no, the church. Um, yes, yes. But so he, so she was really concerned and I could, I could tell that she, you know, out of respect, I said, you know what, we can have some safety team folks there, but let's take this a little bit further. Let's, let's reach out to the local precinct because there's so many officers. Maybe we can, you know, have an officer watch for Watch for this situation, and so I, I did. Um, we reached out to the local precinct to explain what was going on, and the the local sergeant was like, "Absolutely, you know, we loved him. We thank him and his family. We'd love to to have an officer just hang out and make sure that she mm-hmm. doesn't show up." So they really did an amazing job. Um, but again, you wouldn't know that that resource was applicable to that. Um, because most of the time people are think are thinking, well, it's a funeral. There's not, this isn't a big deal, you know, but family it, funerals and weddings, especially in family events are very emotional and emotionally charged. And so when you get together people that haven't seen each other for a while and may not get along, <laughs> there's oh, exactly, a, Yeah, that's like a, an unspoken catalyst of a bad situation, <laughs> To exactly and that and that's
3: that's where i think you 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 need to have your really intelligence up there and and be listening and what's understanding where the risks are and and then that should drive your deployment strategies uh with your safety team but you're i, I don't do you recall i don't know if you were standing there with me, but there was a gentleman that came up to me and he said maybe it was in in class that he talked about it, but they're planning a baptism and they're very worried that um one of the exes is going to be showing up and, and uh, they're already on it and, and very concerned about it. And um, mm-hmm. that just really drives a message. And that's actually why I added that video clip that we had the, uh, the, uh, the funeral uh, shooting in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. And uh, there were a couple, there were a couple of takeaways on that video. Obviously the first one was to explain to everybody that, Hey, understand that you're just not there on a, on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night or, a Saturday or a Friday night depending on what what uh, faith you are that there's things going on in your building all the time and uh, if you recall I, I suggested that the stakeholder interview take place with those organizations so that you can get their feedback um, not only on what is actual crime and the risk that they per- they perceive but also what is their fear of crime uh, that they have and I think it's a more comprehensive approach to everything and um, that, that's what's very important is understanding that this is just not a one day a week type of event. This is, uh, uh, you're dedicated and that doesn't even take into mission work. If we're doing mission work somewhere, either here in the U S or out of, out of the U S that's a whole different ball oh, game there as, as well. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we actually, we have, um, there's a gentleman that, uh, does quite a bit with us that, uh, lives in Florida And he does a lot of, of, uh, dedicated missions. Him and his wife do missions training and, uh, he's had previous law enforcement experience. And so, uh, one of his, one of his focuses, um, and he's definitely a good friend of ours, but one of his focuses is, um, just, you know, teaching people awareness strategies and, and different things like that for, you know, going overseas and, you know, for taking their missions trip, you know, mission, mission um, groups overseas, short-term or long-term, there's still, there's certainly still concerns because even in a friendly, you know, friendly area outside of the U.S., there's still um, generally people that don't like the U.S. <laughs> oh, bro,
3: there's a lot of it. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> your planning and your advance work is is just so important, um, even beyond the mission work. You know, the, your your daily your your daily work that you do to keep your congregation safe. I can't say that, you know, very much like we do in in law enforcement, we have that roll call before uh, our officers mm-hmm. go out on road patrol, and there's so much value in just saying, "Hey, what do we've got going? What's going on with current world events? Uh, what do we've got internally to worry about? What have we heard?" And then uh, and then you, you kind of go through the list of what's important now uh, so that everybody has that, that same focus. And uh, I, I would say one other thing, too. I think that uh, there's so much value and feedback that I'm getting. When, when you heard me make the statement yesterday that how important it is to keep somebody in the parking lot, including while the service is going. And I, I'm seeing that there is so much anxiousness that um, our, our congregants have. Uh, not just with the active shooter, but their car being broken into a catalytic converter being uh, stolen. Uh, you know, if there's an article or, or a new segment that talks about uh, something along those lines, and then I really think that that drives the anxiousness. And sadly, I, I think that that really drives a lot of the decision that am I really even going to go um, to service on this particular day, because of the fear that I have. And so I try to bring it back, to our safety and our security ministries and say, Hey, you've got to ease this anxiousness, which obviously, you know, is another reason why we talk about the fear of crime and trying to talk about people, what concerns them. But I am hearing more and more. And I hopefully this is a great takeaway for your listeners and your, your viewers tonight is to understand that there is anxiousness um, with their vehicles being left in the parking lot in what crimes could occur to the vehicle and to them as they're walking out to their vehicles. Very important.
2: I think John that ties all the way back to full circle to something we said earlier in the show, which was the the situation about location concern about mm-hmm. location. It, and I think that's where you can truly see that some locations could have higher anxiety because they don't have formalized parking. They're only street parking. They're in a downtown right. city area. So that, that fear sure. of break-in may be even higher because it's not a protected lot. Whereas you have a more uh, a country-style church that has their own parking lot with a safety team that is staffed. Um, it, it changes that difference. So, yeah, understanding and measuring what is the potential anxiety, what is perception of the average member attending in their fear uh rational or not and what can we do to alleviate that as a ministry and i think that's that's important but it also brings in the the overt component of a church safety team just the physical presence to show and a show of solidarity and 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 force if you will uh even though it's with compassion and with a smile and not as a bouncer but you're you're yes, there yes. that that sort of presence is what can bring that anxiety down. I mean, I know that simply the presence changes that. I mean, I, one of my old churches that I, I ran a team at, they had a real threat scenario where somebody had tagged the building the night before and very specifically uh, called out the pastors themselves. And this gentleman oh, wow. thought he was the second coming. Uh, he, he. this happened to be on the eve of Easter. And so we we very much thought, hey, he is very likely to think he's going to show up on Easter and say, "Here I am," um, and and so there's this was a very tense situation. Of course, we notified the 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 the, the PD and the, and the person who had that beat and so forth. But uh, they called me up and I went. So it was just purely a presence, and that added presence that just showing up gave to people, the number of people that just said that day, and it's not a feather in my cap, but they're like, Hey, we're glad you're here. Hey, we're glad you're here. Hey. And, and it wasn't about that person showing up. My goal in going wasn't because I thought he was going to show up. My goal was to ratchet down the entire perspective of the safety team that was there who had just been ramped up to the idea that, Hey, something's going to happen. I didn't want them to have you know what uh, uh, somebody drop a cup in the lobby and think shots were fired because I mean that sort of thing so that presence yeah. helped bring the anxiety of that safety team back to normal levels
3: I like that that's uh that dances around my comment about tommy tactical <laughs> and, and and you know it's just you're, you're absolutely right the term that I like to use is hey you're an ambassador uh, to your to your organization to your church your synagogue your temple what have you and, and, and trying to help people like that. And I even think you can take it a step further to making sure that everybody gets home. You know, certainly there's a lot of anxiousness. If you are in that downtown city area or a busy highway, people wanting to get out of church, out of the parking lot. And and we want everybody to be safe and, and, and not get in an accident. So uh, there's so much to be um, uh, so many considerations that you've got to take into part of that. I did want to also highlight one other thing. We talk about anxiousness that, that your congregation has. Um, remember the story yesterday, James, I talked about a uh, father Paul at St. Paul's there in, in Chillicothe, Ohio. And when we talked yeah. about the, um, uh, the, the, you know, when we said, father, what is it that, that keeps you up at night? What's your greatest fear of crime? And, and the typical response is active shooter, but he said drugs. And so we have to kind of parse out when you say drugs, help me understand, is that somebody coming in impaired? Is it somebody trying to, to, to shake down the, um, the receptionist there for money or, or something along those lines? And um, he says, no. He goes, I have to walk our parking lot every morning and to pick up the needles and any other drug paraphernalia that might be in the parking lot because the parking lot is where our children play. And, and it gets you thinking that, that, you know, one is when you hear somebody say the word, hey, I'm worried about drugs take the time and really just dissect out and try to figure out what problem that you've got there. But it also adds to, to our topic today. What we were talking about is just the anxiousness, how not only that uh, extends to your congregation, but also, um, you know, your, your, your priest, your, your pastor, what have you. Uh, Very interesting, you know, scenarios. And that's why I enjoy teaching this class so much. Again, we've been doing this since 2009 and the the experiences and the information that that I get that I I'm so honored to be able to pass that on and and hopefully prevent something from happening somewhere else so what a great experience and again James I'm so happy you were there yesterday you got to you got to
1: see it firsthand it's always always fun I love I love talking to churches and you know like like you it's 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 encouraging to me but it's always fun you know, to sit there and kind of see the light bulb pop on (laughs) through, you know, through your, uh, through your presentation. And uh, every once in a while, it's like, you see them getting it like, and that, that means a lot. And I know it means a lot to you personally, because you, you spend so much time, uh, you know, trying to, to do those courses and help churches. um, And you're very passionate about that. So it's fun, like when you're trying to help, in that type of situation. And all of a sudden you, you see that they're getting, getting the concepts that.
3: (laughs) Very much so. And and I'll tell you that to take it a step further, uh, so many of our attendees, you know, they've come back to me to do an assessment um, for their particular house of worship. And, and we've done that in, in, through the nonprofit security grant Um, you know, there's, there's, I think about maybe close to 10 churches and synagogues Mm -hmm. now that have received that money based upon the assessment, so it's really neat to see, you know, from start to finish, you build that that relationship. You they attend a class, and you take it a step further, and, and and you've really done great work for everybody, and and those relationships really stick around forever, which I really cherish.
1: For sure. Well, what is uh what is a good website if someone would like to get more information about OCPA? Uh, what would be a good website for them to reach out to you guys Oh that would be great. So it's ocpa-oh.org
3: and uh, or they can they could email me. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how we can do that if your messaging system allows that to, to happen. Uh, they could certainly do that as well or if we could maybe set up a link um, somewhere and you know yeah, we we, we were talking yesterday there's there's a lot of people that 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 want this this training uh, we're, we're so happy to partner with you. And if you saw what I know, what I call you guys now is our, our faith-based sister partner. Uh, <laughs> so it's working out very well. And I, I think at what first. you brought to the table yesterday really filled a little bit of a void, um, with our training. So I'm very happy about that. If you are interested in hosting the training, um, you know, reach out to us at OCPA, ask for me. And, uh, with that, you get a great book, uh, you get a great certificate, um, and you can see yeah. that that we, I'm <laughs> I'm very big about co-branding uh, our logos. This happens to be Marion County Police or Marion uh, Police Department and Marion County Sheriff's Office. So we like to do that. We like to make sure everybody has a certificate. And we're finding out that a lot of the insurance carriers like to see that certificate and say, "Okay, good. I'm I'm glad we're taking the the risk management program very seriously now." <laughs> so all good stuff.
1: For sure. Awesome. Well, again, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure chatting with you and having you on. Bet you. All the best.
2: Thank you. Thanks for coming back, John. Great to have you. Thank
1: you. All right. So just wrapping up real quick. We appreciate you you joining us uh, for this broadcast. Uh, again, you can reach out to us through our website. If we can help you out with your, your church or place of worship, our website is churchsafetyguys.com. And uh if you are interested, I will throw this out out there for John. If you're interested in hosting one of their House of Worship uh training sessions, feel free to reach out uh through their website and I will post that in the the um uh comment section below. Or if you can't for some reason can't find it, get a hold of us, you know, uh you can message Mike or I and we're happy to pass on your info. Uh but Uh, typically when they post something on their website, we put it on ours as well for, for a class. And, uh, usually if, uh, if I can make the class, I will, uh, cause I love going out and just meeting, meeting folks. So one of these days we'll have to, we'll have to make some classes happen down in Texas, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. Good. Be good to have you down here. So, but anyhow, until, uh, next time, we hope that you have a a great week, um, stay safe and be blessed. And we will, uh, check within, check in with you if I can spit it out (laughs) next week. So have a great week guys. Take care.
0: Thank you for joining the church safety guys broadcast brought to you by Vigilant Impact. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback and interaction. Be sure to share our broadcast with your teams, join the discussion online, and connect with us on social media or at our website at churchsafetyguys.com. For other great ministry resources, download the Church Security app. Remember, keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and Semper Disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.